We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Moving right along, we are in part two of the podcast now. We're going to be looking at Oregon's defensive checklist. But before we do that, let's go ahead and take a look at some of these comments, some of these questions. Keep those rolling for you guys that are here in the live chat. Um, Cash out win comments. I think Oregon needs to focus on physicality. I know they already said it, but they have to mean it. Yeah, that the physicality is, is one of those points that always gets brought up in the spring, always gets brought up in fall camp. Talk about it all you want. Talk is cheap. I want to see some really physical play come in that home opener against Portland State. Um, and, and that's kind of what these guys are talking about, right? You need to you need to be banging and, and practice and you know bring that physicality and, and have that mean edge that the great Oregon defenses in the past have had. I think that this Oregon defense, if I'm this Oregon defense, I think that the floor should be the 2019 defense and the ceiling should be whatever they want it to be. This is an unbelievably talented defense at Oregon. You're working with some star coaches and Dan Lanning and Tosh Lapoy. I think that the the standard has been set for what this defense can do. And I think part of the reason I think that the Oregon defense can be even better than 2019 is because of the transfer portal and how that's going to kind of mesh with the 2023 recruiting class and getting all those guys on campus. So I think that the physicality, you know, talk is cheap. Let me see it on the field. So I could not agree with this point more. Obi Obi one. Uh, he had, he had some questions yesterday. So thanks for coming back. Always love seeing people come back to the show. Question is, did Bo getting injured show the lack of faith in Ty to continue by the rest of the team? Um, I don't know. This one, th- this one's tough. I mean, I think I was kind of thinking about a lack of faith in Ty Thompson when I was watching that game last year just because of the situation that they were in. The fact that he didn't get to attempt a pass, I think, was, was very telling of where last year's staff kind of – place the ceiling or the limit on his game. And and granted, this was such a tough decision, such a tough situation rather for Ty Thompson to come in at after bonus gets hurt rivalry game against Washington. You know, the atmosphere was, was insane. Um, I don't necessarily think it shows a lack of faith in Ty. Um, Certainly not by the rest of the team. I mean, I think, I think all the other players certainly support Ty. Uh, It's just a matter of uh, the offensive staff, I think feeling confident enough in his abilities 
and his composure and his poise and his knowledge of the offense to look at that situation, realize what it is, bows down, but that shouldn't change a whole lot, at least on the basic level of what you're able to execute with your offense. So um, that's why I think I'm really interested to see what Ty's going to be able to do this year. Uh, hopefully Oregon can get into some blowout games and Ty can get some good reps and you can really see that he's taken the off season to, to improve his game and, and just become that next level quarterback that the ducks need. Uh, let's see. Brooks says we need to land someone like, uh, just saw Colin Simmons commit to Texas five-star edge rusher. Brooks says we need to land someone like him. Now it's possible with the big 10, no excuses, can't say we are in a quote-unquote weak conference. Yeah, um, need a, you, you don't need a five-star in this class necessarily. I think sometimes people get too too hyped up on the rankings, but you need a difference maker along the defensive line, a difference maker on the edge. And right now, I feel like the best option for Oregon is Aiden Breland, five-star defensive lineman out of Santa Ana Modern Day. Talked about him a little bit last year, but you definitely need to land someone who has the ability to be a game-changing talent along the defensive line. Certainly not an area that Oregon has made a ton of noise at recently recruiting, um, unless you're looking at the transfer portal, right? Or I should say, maybe more specifically in the 2024 class. You had Mateo Uyunglele in the 2023 class. Huge recruiting win along the line of scrimmage, along the defensive line for Dan Lanning and Tosh Lapoy over the likes of Ohio State and USC. You also go into the portal to get Jordan Birch from South Carolina. Really high expectations for him. He's kind of, I think, really positioned himself to be one of the focal points of this defense. But when it comes to the 2024 class, I think you're absolutely right, Brooks. You need to get somebody kind of on that tier of Colin Simmons. Elijah Rushing didn't work out going to Arizona. Uh, but now I think that Aiden Breland is looking like the absolute priority along the defensive line for, for Oregon, you know, definitely has that nasty mean edge to his game. You also have Jericho Johnson, a defensive lineman that has Oregon in his final schools, along with Washington, Utah, and USC. He's out of the Northern California area. So I think that he is definitely another priority, but uh, Breland is that is definitely that guy along the defensive line that I think Oregon is really going to uh, hone in and focus on here. All right, last question we got here. Uh, we'll get two more questions, and then we'll get into defense. Christopher says, what about Casper lining up as a receiving tight end to get snaps with that deep wide receiver room? Uh, yeah, I think we've talked about this a little bit in the spring. I mean, I don't think Kyler Casper is a tight end. So I think that all the development and you know time he's put into the position, you want to try to get him involved as a tight end. Um, I think that he only does that if you really aren't confident in the tight end room and that depth uh, it is a deep wide receiver room and you know i want to see casper get on the field but i think if he gets on the field it's going to be as a wide receiver andrew says there's no way dickie or dowdell get redshirted right um i don't know this one this one's tough i think both of those guys definitely have paths to see the field but they're in really really crowded positions dowdell was an early enrollee dickie wasn't uh, we'll see if that has any kind of impact on those guys being able to to see the field. Dan Lanning's talked a lot about the value of enrolling early. Um, I think it, right now I would say that I think Dowdell is more likely to get redshirted just because you have Bucky, Noah, and then Jordan James. 
If he doesn't redshirt, I think it kind of means that he's maybe outperforming Jordan James. That's kind of just me hypothetically looking down the line for this situation to happen. Um, and then as for Dickey, um, he's going to have to make a name for himself uh, probably against uh, Treshawn Holden, right? Seeing that he's the the bigger body receiver that they're uh, probably projecting to play quite a big role this year. So keep those questions coming. I'll see what I can get. Um, and then we will get now into the defensive checklist. I think there's a couple of things, right? We talked about physicality, making the defense one that people fear. That's been kind of a talking point so far in fall camp. And I think that Oregon is more than capable of being that defense that people fear. A lot of that starts with physicality. A lot of that starts with discipline, not being a defense that's committing penalties and creating good situations for the offense. I think that's something that Oregon's really struggled with in the past, not necessarily last year, but just not making it worse for yourself and not making it easier for opposing offenses. Uh, I think third down defense is going to be huge. So you got to work situationally in fall camp, hopefully on some big third down situations, some third and longs. There were just way too many instances when a play would break down and, um, and the Ducks would end up surrendering a long third down game. You can't have that if you want to be taking um, the next step um, as a defense. So, those are kind of some of the big picture things. I think one of them I'm going to start with that's probably at the priority at the very top of the list for a lot of Oregon fans is the pass rush. you got to figure out the pass rush in fall camp because you're running out of time to figure it out ahead of the 2023 season. And there are some dudes that Oregon can rely on in this pass rush. You lose DJ Johnson from a year ago, um, and he's now in the NFL working for the uh, playing for the Panthers. Um, but Jordan Birch comes in and he's the talk of the, the pass rush almost instantly, right? Six foot six, 275 pounds is kind of what he was listed at last year. We don't have any updated height and weights as of right now uh, for this Oregon football team. But Jordan Birch is that guy that Dan Lanning and Tosh LaPoy are really hoping can take that defensive line to the next level and do it by getting after the quarterback. That's definitely an area Oregon fell short in last year. But you also have Mace Funa on the other side of Jordan Birch, possibly. He's one of the he's the most experienced uh, outside linebacker edge guy that they have on this roster. Um, but we could also be seeing guys like Mateo Uyunglele making uh, making a, an impact from an early from an early point uh, in this season in their college careers. And I think something that you have to think about with Mateo. Um, you know, he, he played for a national powerhouse program. The St. John Bosco Braves were national champions last year. Definitely have some really, really good coaching that he brings to the table. Burst talking about Mateo and, and fall camp at the media day, talking about how he's doing moves that other guys can't do. And Mateo is probably, you know, 6'5", around 260, 265 himself. So Mateo Uyunglele is a guy that just moves differently. And I think that, even though Kayvon Thibodeau didn't really see that much of the field his freshman year, true freshman year, he didn't really carve out a starting role until later in the season. I think that there's a chance that there's a chance that Mateo is just on a different level. And, you know, Kayvon is a first round draft pick. He's in the NFL. He was the number one overall recruit, but they took different paths to Oregon. And I think that I'm excited about Mateo because I want to see what he can do for this Oregon defense 
to, to kind of back up what I've said about him, right? I, I've talked about how Mateo Uyunglele is the guy that you bring Dan Lanning and Tosh Lapoy to Oregon to land, to, to win recruiting battles against Larry Johnson and Ohio State, which has been a factory for edge rushers, to win recruiting battles against Lincoln Riley and uh, Sean Nua over there at USC, the hometown school that he had been so closely linked to for so long. So maybe we end up seeing Jordan Birch on one side, Mateo Uyunglele on the other side, or it's Jordan Birch and, and Mace Funa. But if we're talking about the pass rush, I think Brandon Dorless certainly deserves a seat at the table. He is certainly going to be a focal point of that pass rush for Oregon because he is one of the most athletic defensive linemen that the Ducks have, one of the best defensive linemen in the entire Pac-12, and he's also incredibly versatile. I think that's when Brandon Dorless is at his best, when he's kind of moving around and um, giving you a headache as an offensive lineman. And another thing to think about with this pass rush is how strong Oregon is in the interior. You get Popo Amavai back, uh, you know, an all Pac-12 caliber guy who missed all of last year with an injury. He's going to come back with uh, a purpose and just kind of that mean, nasty edge to his game that he wants to be like, Hey, I'm back. You know, this, this is my defensive line. Yeah. He was the face of that Oregon defensive line. I feel like, uh, or at least one of those main contributors before he got banged up. And then you also have Casey Rogers, who has just been an absolute gem out of the transfer portal following Tony Tuioti from Lincoln to Eugene after playing with him at Nebraska. He is one of the most undervalued pieces of that defensive line, in my opinion, because he's not stuff in the stat sheet. He's kind of taking those big offensive linemen on, those double teams on, and freeing up spots for you know guys that are are stemming uh, behind and around him, and for those linebackers to come flying up the middle. And and when we're talking about the pass rush, obviously the linebackers are going to play uh, a role in that too. We're going to have to see how well Justin Jacobs can get after the passer. I think he does a lot of different things uh, well. But in his game, I think that his athleticism and his coverage ability for his size are really kind of where he he uh, made his money as one of the more transfer portal, one of the big targets at linebacker, one of the top linebackers in the transfer portal uh, coming over from Iowa. So the pass rush is obviously a massive priority for Oregon. That's probably the biggest thing they have to figure out from this past year. You have way too much talent. I'm saying it now on August 10th. And I think everybody listening to this or watching this will agree. You have way too much talent on this defense to not have a good pass rush, um, which is why I think that's an area they need to grow. And that has to probably be the top priority heading into 2023 for this defense. All right. If you guys are just joining us on the live stream, thank you so much for stopping by, whether you're on YouTube, Twitter, or Facebook. Just excited to have you guys along and appreciate you taking some time out of your day to talk some ducks with me, a little bit of recruiting talk here and there, but just wanted to take this time to ask you guys a quick favor, hit that thumbs up button for me, the like button, it only takes a second out of your day and hit that subscribe button for me to show some support for the channel. Uh, really been loving the growth that we've been seeing lately on the channel. I love doing this, love interacting with you guys and covering duck football and of course, duck recruiting. All right, moving on in our checklist, we're kind of hitting all different levels, right? The checklist for Oregon football and their defense continues. You need to find somebody that can replace Christian Gonzalez at cornerback. And when I say replace, I don't mean someone who can be Christian Gonzalez at cornerback because 
that's not really that realistic. Christian Gonzalez was a different breed. First round draft pick at corner. Uh, I don't know if you have that caliber of talent on the roster right now. A guy that you can point to and say, he's going to the NFL for sure. He's a difference maker. He's kind of on Gonzo's level. Gonzo had the, the length. He had the speed. He had the ball skills. He had the technique, fluid hips, quick feet. You know, you name it, he had it. I don't know if Oregon has a guy that can be Christian Gonzalez. But what they do need is an alpha to really emerge at that position. I think you need a corner that you can go to, go to him. Demetrius Martin says, hey, I need you to go lock down this side of the field, or I need to be able to come to you every week and be confident that you can lock down the team's opposing number one wide receiver. And you have some good options, right? Nico Reed comes over from Colorado out of the portal. He has familiarity with uh, Demetrius Martin from his days at Colorado. And then you also have, uh, Kyrie Jackson, who comes over from Alabama as a taller guy, you know, around 6'3 versus Nico Reed's 5'10, 5'11. And then you also have some guys that are already on the roster. Um, I think you have Dante Manning and, and Triquez Bridges uh, coming back. And, and, and you, we already know kind of what those guys are, especially when it comes to Bridges, um, who, who has been, you know, a, a consistent guy, but maybe not a huge difference maker um, that I think Oregon ha- has needed. Um, but you know, he, he's, we always talk about it, safety or corner. And it looks like he has some clarity as far as the cornerback position goes, uh, this coming year. But I think this, this is a question that we can, we can hit on here from, from Jacob. Do you think Dante Manning will have a bounce back year? I think Dante Manning has been showing steady signs of growth since last season. Keep in mind, he's the highest rated recruit at corner that Oregon has ever signed. Um, so I think that he was a twitchy guy, quick guy, athletic guy. He had so much promise coming out of high school. Then he kind of got banged up. Then you had the coaching transition. So I feel like the dominoes haven't really been falling in his favor lately, but I do think that he could have a bounce back year. Um, I think that he, he just has so much untapped potential still in his game. He's a guy that if he goes out and has a couple of, of good games or, or, you know, gets a couple interceptions, makes some big plays. I think that could be the difference between him taking that next step. He just needs to show it a little bit more. And I think you just need to build that confidence that he can be that guy for you um, as Oregon looks like they're looking to, to kind of figure some stuff out in that um, in that secondary, in, in that cornerback room. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. And then Andrew has a good point too, saying that Florence is like the Connerly of the defense, high floor and super high ceiling. Um, Cause I was going to mention Jaleel Florence. I think Jaleel Florence is a guy that can definitely take the next step in his development. He enrolled early as a member of Oregon's 2022 recruiting class. And I think he showed some flashes during his true freshman season to really give you some confidence. Uh, he, he's a longer defensive back that can also run. And then um, just the, the ball skills that he has, uh, I think also, you know, can contribute to what he's able to do as a playmaker uh, coming out of Lincoln High School in San Diego, that's a, a pipeline that the Ducks have established for a while now. I was just at Lincoln this past weekend to see Achilles Smith Jr., Oregon's 2025 quarterback commit. So I definitely would agree with this comment that Florence can be that guy. Uh, it looks like Zaheem is also in agreement saying that Jaleel Florence can be someone for Oregon. So we just talked about all those guys. It would make you think that Oregon's cornerback room is in pretty good hands, which I agree with, right? But we haven't even talked about the freshmen. And I think you absolutely have to talk about the freshman because Oregon signed five corners from the high school ranks in 2023. Uh, I think the uh, one guy that we have to talk about is Cole Martin, Demetrius Martin's son, uh, All-American caliber guy out of Basha High School in Chandler, Arizona. And it, uh, originally from, I almost said initially, originally from the Southern California area, which we know is Demetrius Martin's old stomping grounds as a Pasadena native. I want to say um, Cole Martin is exciting, man. I'm super excited about what Cole Martin can do. Uh, I think that there's honestly some, some similarity with Roderick Pleasant, uh, who was an Under Armour All-American corner that the Ducks signed, and he's been making all the headlines for his speed. But I feel like these guys are kind of similar, right? They're, they're both a little bit on the smaller side. I'd probably say 5'9", maybe 5'10" on a really good day, but both of these guys are smaller defensive backs. They're super twitchy, super quick, really explosive, tons of playmaking ability. They both return. Uh, they were both returners uh, for their respective high school teams. And um, I think that Cole Martin comes to Oregon with, with a chip on his shoulder to, to prove, you know, I, I'm not just a coach's son. I, I can ball. And I think that that's part of the reason that he should be able to do something because he is a coach's son. And those guys, they just look at the game a little bit differently. And I think they're a little bit further ahead when it comes to development than a lot of their peers. So Cole Martin had a really good spring game. And I think I'm super excited to see what he can do. Um, we'll, we'll see if that's as a corner or maybe as a returner. 
but I think Oregon has options at corner. And that's all you can really ask for if you're Demetrius Martin trying to figure out what this room looks like after Christian Gonzalez heads to the NFL. So Cole Martin is someone I'm really excited about. Roderick Pleasant is another guy that I'm really excited about. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Zaheem is hitting it on the head here. For a smaller back, Cole Martin plays physical, love his game. Yeah, th- he he actually couldn't play in the uh, Adidas All-American game because he messed up his shoulder just with some big hits for, for Chandler en route to a state title. So that's a guy who is more than willing to put his body on the line, even as an undersized defensive back. Super tough, super nasty. Love everything about Cole Martin. With Roderick Pleasant, I think that's an interesting one because after he committed to Oregon, all the headlines were him, you know, choosing Oregon over SC. They were his skills on the track field and and how how naturally gifted he was. But some of the some of the talking points that I heard being out here in Southern California, where Roderick Pleasant is from, is 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 this a, a football guy that can run? And, you know, really is, is gifted on the track field or is this a track guy who is just a freak athlete? You know, is this a track guy who also happens to be able to play football and talking to people on the Southern California scene, you know, some people who know Roderick Pleasant pretty well. Uh, some of the returns that I got is that his, his true passion really does lie in football. He's going to run track at Oregon. Obviously, that was a a big part of why they were able to win out in that recruitment. But Roger Pleasant, just for him to to finally be able to put the recruiting process behind him, I I think that uh, he has all the potential in the world to really develop into uh, a really talented defensive back for Oregon. I was at his commitment ceremony at, at Sarah in Gardena back in February. And you could tell it was a super, super heavy moment for him. You know, all the pressures of, of going to SC, uh, his brother went to SC. He is a Southern California native, but he took the leap. He took the jump and said, I'm not going to go to SC and, and just follow in that, that pipeline from Sarah. I'm going to be different. I'm going to head to Eugene. I'm going to play for Demetrius Martin, who is one of the best developers of the cornerback position in the country. Um, So I'm super excited to see what he can do. I think Roger Pleasant probably has a quicker uh, track to the plane to plane and, you know, to snaps as a returner. Think about all the options Oregon has in the return game. You have Gary Bryant, you have Roger Pleasant, you have Makai Williams, you have uh, Tez Johnson, Chris Hudson, there are a lot of guys that can can make an impact on the, on the special teams as well. And, and Roger Pleasant is someone that I'm excited about. Rounding out that cornerback room, you have Solomon Davis, who was a late flip from Arizona out of Charter Oaks in Covina, California, another Southern California guy. Um, and, you know, when I went to talk to his coach, just so many good things to be said about Solomon, just a guy that elevates the play of everybody around him. Super, super high character guy, great kid. Uh, definitely made of the right stuff. So even if he doesn't play this year, I think he's somebody that only leaves a positive impact on that cornerback room and is going to thrive in the competition. Then you have Colin Gill from Washington, D.C., St. John's. And he's a little bit of a project from from what I've told, uh, from what I've been told at the cornerback spot, but he comes from a powerhouse program. Um, Really, really versatile guy. So maybe he's someone that we don't see just playing cornerback. 
at Oregon. Maybe he floats around in the secondary, plays some safety, plays some nickel. We'll have to see. But even though cornerback is kind of a question mark for Oregon, not in terms of they're a question mark because you don't know who's going to play or you don't know, you know, like it's a bad position. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm looking at this as a question mark because they have so many options. And I think that Nico Reed probably has the fast track to some playing time because of uh, his familiarity with, with uh, Demetrius Martin, even though he was a, a late commitment in this transfer portal hall. Um, and then Kyrie Jackson obviously has seen what it's like at Alabama, knows what it takes to win, knows what it takes to, to be an elite competitor. He's a guy that's probably going to play quite a bit as well. You just don't see guys come in from the transfer portal to sit on the bench. More likely than not, they don't commit to a school. In this case, they don't commit to Oregon unless they expect to be a pretty decent part, a pretty significant part of what's going on in the 2023 season. So a lot of options at cornerback for Oregon, plenty of reason to think that they should field a very good unit, uh, even if it means potentially moving on from some of those uh, guys who have been around for a while in favor of some of these new faces. That's kind of where I'm going to leave it. Let's also talk about the safety position. we got two more spots to talk about in the checklist. I think Oregon needs to get some clarity at safety. Oregon's had a lot of guys that have just been kind of okay at safety, not difference makers. Nobody that, you know, wholeheartedly deserves to be on the field more than someone else. Um, I don't think safety is a, a strength of this team right now. But again, look at the guys that they brought in. You brought in Cody DeCambra from, from Bishop Gorman, who was a, a pretty talented safety. Um, why am I blanking on who else Oregon brought in at safety? Um, hold on here. Let me let me look this up. Uh, at safety. Tyler Turner. Tyler Turner is the other guy you brought in at safety from Texas. Um, but looking at the guys... From the portal, Evan Williams, Bennett Williams' brother out of Fresno State. There's been a lot of praise heaped on him during the time, uh, between the time of his arrival and coming to Oregon. I think he's someone that just knows the game really well, has a good football IQ, feel for the game, has played a lot, um, has some experience even just going against Oregon, right, from from uh, this Oregon-Fresno State game in 2021. I think he's a guy who's going to play a lot. Tysheem Johnson is someone that I'm super interested and excited to see what he's going to be able to do. He comes over from Ole Miss and his versatility was just being touted so much uh, throughout his, throughout all of spring. So I think that Oregon's in a good spot with, with Tysheem Johnson and Evan Williams. Are those guys going to, are those guys going to carve out starting roles? I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, you have Steve Stevens, the fourth who comes back to Oregon. He's been at Oregon for a super long time, but just really hasn't separated himself from the pack. Um, he came to Oregon with Javon Holland, so he definitely knows what he's doing at this point. And now it's just about going out and executing and producing and really leading this group. And then you also have um, Brian Addison, who's a six foot five safety and was arguably the most competitive, the most productive, maybe the best safety for Oregon last year. Maybe that's a stretch, but I think I was really excited with, with what he was able to do for that Oregon defense in 2021, 2022. And um, I think he's probably going to be some 
somewhat involved in this defense in 2023. I would be surprised if he wasn't involved. Andrew says here, I miss the general so much. He was the ultimate eraser. Washington wouldn't, would never have scored like they did on him. Talking about Verone McKinley, who I believe is playing with Javon Holland on the Miami Dolphins now. But yeah, I think Verone McKinley was definitely just made of the right stuff. Literally the general of that defense. Guys, guys were drawn to him. Guys were fired up by him. So now maybe we see if Evan Williams or Tysheem Johnson can, can be that one of those guys. All right, let's let's kind of start to wind things down just past the hour mark with the linebacker core. The linebacker core is one of the most fascinating groups on this defense for me because heading into the offseason, once you lost Noah Sewell, um, once you lost Jackson LaDuke, Keith Brown, uh, Justin Flo hit the portal and it ended up at Arizona, you kind of look at it and you're like, oh, not really a lot. And then Harrison Taggart left. Not really a lot of pieces to work with, but they, they move some things around, right? You have Jeff Bossa who comes back. He came to Oregon as a safety, but now looks, really looks like a linebacker. I saw a video of that guy in practice, and he's wearing number two this year. And I had to take a second and kind of rub off my glasses. Not that I wear glasses, but be like, wow, that's not DJ Johnson. That's that's Jeff Bossa. That dude looks huge. Jeff, Jeff Bossa looks absolutely transformed from a year ago and it could come at a better time because I feel like there were a lot of instances last year where I saw Jeff Bossa just getting run over. So now he looks like he spent that time in the weight room and is going to be able to physically keep up with the demands of the position and obviously have a good feel. I think Dan Lanning was really excited about Jeff Bossa after he got hired, just talking about how he kind of has the speed and athleticism to take this linebacker room, take his play to where the game of college football is kind of going, just super athletic, fast, physical linebackers. He's going to be, I think, the guy that can really cover, hopefully, for Oregon in 2023. And then you also have Justin Jacobs, who comes over from Iowa, returning from an injury, still kind of have to see how he plays. Looks good in the spring game, um, but it looks like you're probably going to have Jeff Bossa and Justin Jacobs as your projected starters. And then you have Jamal Hill, who comes down from the secondary, comes down from the safety spot, and has also bulked up. Uh, the returns from what I'm hearing about Jamal Hill have been very positive as far as just him being a guy who who looks like he might even be more comfortable at linebacker than he did at safety. He certainly had the physicality to play that position even as a safety. So now he's at linebacker and it looks like he's feeling really good there. Uh, and then Devin Jackson. Uh, Devin Jackson is a guy that I think we might have forgotten about a little bit in the linebacker room for Oregon. He's bulked up to 228 pounds. He said that he got to Oregon at 207, and he's at 228 now. So he's a guy who definitely made a name for himself kind of flying around uh, on defense. His speed and athleticism were two of the biggest traits to his game coming out of high school. He came out of Nebraska and was an All-American. Um, so the whole conversation with Devin Jackson was bulking up but not losing the speed. Bulking up but not losing that athleticism. And I think that that is, as of right now, it looks like a box that he's checked. I haven't been able to see him because, you know, I'm not in Eugene, obviously, but I think that he could be a guy that ends up carving out a role for the linebackers at Oregon as well. And then we have to talk about Connor Soley or Connor Sowell, who comes over from Arizona State, uh, a former safety, I want to say in high school, but kind of a guy that flew under the radar. Uh, definitely just kind of has that blue collar work ethic, I think he's he's pretty smart, so he should be able to to help this 
defense and, and this linebacker group stay on the same page. So it's really, I think, Jeff Bossa and Justin Jacobs at the top. But then we, I wouldn't be surprised to see Jamal Hill and Connor Soley also involved. And then you have Devin Jackson and then true freshman Jerry Mixon. Basically, my biggest takeaway on the linebacker group is I've really gotten a whole lot more confident that this group can really uh, be serviceable and maybe even more than serviceable for Oregon in 2023. Um, I think that Noah Sewell was a good player, but wasn't necessarily as great as a lot of people expected him to be at Oregon. And I think that he was the five-star linebacker and, you know, he was Panay's brother. I think that there were maybe some expectations that were never realistic for Noah Sewell, who's now with the Bears in the NFL. Um, so the linebacker core is a group that I'm feeling good about and I think should uh, should definitely be one to keep an eye on for Oregon here in 2023. And I'm going to be excited to go back and look at the spring game highlights a little bit and see these guys playing separately but then kind of remind myself they're all going to be playing on the same team on the same side of the ball when the season kicks off come September. All right. I think that'll do it for me here on today's episode of the Ducks Dish podcast. You guys know how it goes. Do me a favor, hit the like button and subscribe to the channel. I'm on YouTube at Oregon Football Max Taurus. Important to lock in with me on social media as well. I'm at mTaurus Sports on Twitter and Instagram. And then uh, I'm at mTaurus Sports on Facebook as well. Uh, and then make sure you check out all my written work over on DucksDigest.com and share the Ducks Dish podcast with your friends, with your family, with other Duck fans. Appreciate you guys taking some time out of your day to talk some Duck football with me. And until next time, you've been listening to another episode of the Ducks Dish podcast.